And uh, it is 10 days till Christmas. It's an exciting, exciting time. And the kids were adorable up here, weren't they? That's a tough act to follow here. It's, it's a really, it's a neat tradition to, to have them up here and to hear them singing and, and sharing the Christmas story. And, and Christmas is really a time that's ripe with tradition, isn't it? It's, it's a time of the year that, uh, I mean, you as a family, individuals, you have the tra- you have different traditions that you hang on to. And, and they can be fun or quirky or meaningful. Uh, maybe for you, it's, it's uh, traveling and you always go visit family or, or uh, you got to pull out the ugly Christmas sweater, right? You got to sport that this time of year because that's, that's a fun thing or, or picks with the kids on Santa's lap or, or reading the Christmas story on Christmas Eve or whatever the case may be. We, we develop these traditions, don't we, that are very special and, and, and meaningful. I remember once in college, I was having Christmas. It wasn't my family. It was another family. And in Christmas morning, I observed a really interesting tradition I've never heard of or seen since. But the, the dad, the night before, takes this little green plastic holiday and he hides it in the tree. And you think, that's really odd. But, but then the morning you get up and, and the goal is all the kids, before they can open the presents, they've got to find that jalapeno pepper hidden somewhere in the tree. And actually it was brilliant by the parents because it took us well over an hour of hunting that tree to find that silly little jalapeno. They went back to bed. That's what they did. They went back to bed and they were just relaxing and, and uh, brilliant on their part. It was work on ours. But um, we have these traditions, right? Here's what I want to do, just to make sure you're all good and awake, is I want you to turn to your neighbor and share, if, if you would, a special tradition, a Christmas tradition that you have that's meaningful to you. Got that? All right, ready and break. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor, share a special Christmas tradition that you have. All right, I wish I could, I wish I could hear them all. I, I'm sure there's some good ones, some funny ones, some very reflective and meaningful ones. But again, we, we love our traditions, don't we? Uh, the old TV show, sorry to break it up. The old TV show, who's seen the show? Um, who's, how's it called? Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Anybody seen that show before? Okay, I have actually no, nobody. Okay, well, I'm with you. I've not seen it myself, although I've met Jeff Foxworthy, so that was, that was kind of cool. But So uh, here, they asked a bunch of kids, 8 to 12-year-olds, this question. What do you most enjoy about Christmas? These are 8 to 12-year-olds. They did this survey, and so uh, here, here are the options. Let's see if we are smarter than a fifth grader. Uh, option A was decorating the house. Option B, spending time with family and relatives. Or C, receiving presents. So let's just do a little polling action here. Let's say who believes they answered. These are the 8 to 12-year-olds. We got confused in first service. These are the 8 to 12-year-olds. Who believes that they said, yeah, decorating the house is the most enjoyable part of Christmas? A couple. Okay, there you go. Okay, not much love there. All right, uh, B, spending time with family and relatives. Who says that? The kids said that. There's a handful. Okay, and then how many say C is all about the presents? That's what the kids are saying. Yeah, it seems like that's the one, including there's some kids in here raising their hands. Okay, the, actually the answer is B. Interesting, isn't it? Now, when I first read that, I didn't believe it. 
I was like, no way. It's always about the presents, right? And then I read another article. It said in America, 95% of Americans celebrate Christmas. And of that 95%, 69% of them said the most important part of Christmas or enjoyable was time with family and friends and, and, and just the people in your lives, that getting together uh, is special and, and, and a tradition, if you will. And that was what was most enjoyable. And it certainly is. And Christmas is a, a beautiful time to gather with other people. There's no doubt about it. But it also raises the question, is that really what it's about? Or is that the most important thing? I don't say that as a Grinch, but it's just that, that what, what is Christmas really about? And sometimes it's important to come back and remember what that is. Now, last week, if you recall, we wrapped up the book of Malachi. And we talked about this idea of anticipating Christmas, of getting ready for it, preparing Today, I want to use another word that rhymes with it. I want to talk about participating. Participating in Christmas. How do we do that? So if you have your bulletin on the back side, here's your first fill in the blank. It's the question that I want to deal with today. The question is this. How should I participate in Christmas in a God-honoring way? How should I participate in Christmas in a God-honoring way? In other words, how should we celebrate Christmas? Now we have our traditions, and that's good. And they're, Again, they're meaningful, and they're fun, and, and, and we love going back to them, and that's important and, and good. But, but what I want to zero in on today is not necessarily that. I want to ask the question, does the Bible give us any insight on how to celebrate Christmas? That's the question I want to know. Is there anything in the Bible, is there anything in that first Christmas that we can look at as an example and say, well, that's a great example of how to celebrate Christmas. And thankfully, there is. That's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you would, grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to uh, spend time this morning. And uh, of course, you have the app. You can use uversion.com. And if, if you prefer the digital Bible on your smartphone or tablet, you can use that or follow along on the screen behind, behind me here. So as you're, as you're turning to Luke chapter 2, just a little bit of background, Luke chapter 2 is, is really about Christmas. It is Luke's telling, reporting of the first Christmas account. And it's a marvelous account, and it's beautiful, and we learned so much about that first Christmas. It was verses 1 through 7, and, and the kids were talking about that during their show up here earlier. It, it, it tells the story of, of Joseph and Mary, and, and she's found to be with child, and they make this, the, the near 100-mile journey from Nazareth south to Bethlehem because of the census, and there... Uh, um, Mary has Jesus there in, in Bethlehem. And all that's laid out in, in verses 1 through 7. We're actually not going to talk about that today. We'll talk about that next week. But today I want to talk about another account, another story that was happening around the same time, but in a different part of town. Luke then, after he shares that story, he moves the, the telling, if you will, of the Christmas story to a different group of people and begins to share their story and what happened. They're the group I want to look at today because they're going to help us answer the question of how do we, how should we participate in Christmas. So let's start in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. Here's what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, this is an understatement, they were terrified. And so Luke gives this, this really matter-of-fact account of there's some shepherds, they're, they're out in the fields, they're doing their job, and all of a sudden this angel shows up and begins to, as we're going to see, begins to share this, this message, this, this incredible message. And so it's, it's this moment, and it says that, I mean, here they are, normal night, normal job, and they're terrified at this scene. Now, who are these shepherds? 
the shepherds, here's some irony to it. The shepherds at this time were despised human beings. They were considered unclean, meaning they were not allowed to go to the temple. They were not allowed to go to the temple to worship. They weren't allowed to go there to sacrifice, uh, be part of the sacrificial system. The irony is that these shepherds in Bethlehem, they were raising the sheep that were going to be used at the temple for sacrifice, the very temple they themselves were not welcome to go to. They had an important job, but they were despised again. They, they were at this time the social misfits and outcasts of society. A little boy never aspired to grow up to be a shepherd. These guys were rather ordinary, rather forgotten, and rather looked down upon. That's who we're talking about. This is the group that was there. But here's what I love. I love that in this moment of, of the birth of Jesus... God the Father sends his angel to give the very first birth announcement. And for those of your parents, you remember that, you know, you pick up the phone, you shoot the text, they send the card, whatever it is, you're excited to share the news. The first birth announcement could have gone to anybody, but God picks this group of nobodies. He picks shepherds on the night shift, doing the job out in the fields nearby. That's where he goes first to the ordinary which is a beautiful reminder, isn't it, that Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is for all of us. It's not just for the elites of society. It's not just for the educated. It's not just for the good. It's not just for the religious. It's for everybody. And this is what we see here is the news of, this, of Jesus the Savior has been born this day in Bethlehem. The message comes to the shepherds. Let's keep going in verse 10. It says, But the angel said to them, and here's the message, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Could you imagine being there that night? I, I, I mean, these shepherds, their heads must have been spinning. I mean, to consider you're there, you're doing your job. I mean, I don't, I've never been a shepherd, but garden sheep seems rather dull, monotonous. And then all of a sudden, an angel shows up. All of a sudden, a message begins to be told. And then it breaks into this angelic rock concert of praise and worship to God. And you're sitting here with a group beholding this whole thing. If you were there that night, what would you be thinking? What would you be feeling that moment to behold this kind of incredible scene? What would you do once you heard it all? The shepherds, as we're going to read here moving forward, the shepherds responded three ways. The shepherds, when all this happened, they did three things. And what I want to do this morning is zero in just briefly on these three things because I think these three things give us some insight from the Bible of how to respond to Christmas, of how to participate or celebrate with Christmas. We're going to learn from the examples of the shepherds and what they did to answer this question. So let's keep going. Verse 15. Let's look at the first thing that they did. Once this moment happened, what did they do? How did they respond? Verse 15. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Some words are highlighted there. Go and see. 
See, the first thing they did in your next fill in the blank, it's this. They pursued Jesus. They pursued Jesus. This whole thing unfolded, this whole event took place, and the huddles, if you will, huddled up and said, oh my, that was huge. Did you see it too? Am I crazy? I guess I'm not. It happened. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, it was a no-brainer. They were going to go and see for themselves. Let's go. And in fact, it says that they, they hurried. There was urgency. This was important. They needed to know, is this true? Is this really what happened or did somebody on the night shift, you know, spike the coffee kind of a thing here? So what's, what's going on? Because here's the thing. If it's true, it changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. And these shepherds, just like anybody else at that time in Jewish history in Israel, they were expecting a Savior. They were, in, like we talked about last week, they were anticipating this. They were, they were awaiting God to send Messiah And so hearing this angelic message and the praising and the report of a Savior has been born to you, for them, they're thinking, is is this it? Is this this really the time? It's been 400 years since Malachi of silence, and God, are you breaking that up? And now, all of a sudden, the Savior is here. Is this true? See, if it's true, it changes everything. If it's true. And so they went and checked it off, out for themselves. They went and they found, as we just read, they found Joseph, they found Mary, they found the sign, Jesus. It was just like the angel had said. It, it happened, it was, it was true. And it's a good reminder that Christmas is really a, a birthday party, isn't it? That's really what it is. And too often, though, we do forget the birthday boy. Too, too often we get distracted from that, don't we? We, we just lose sight See, the number one key with this idea of pursue Jesus, the number one key of celebrating Christmas is focusing on Jesus. And I know we hear that, and we say that every year, and the pastor's supposed to say that, right? But to remember that that's really true. So much so that if we miss Jesus at Christmas, I think we've missed it all. And we have our traditions, and we have our moments, and we have our fun, but we've missed it. Because Christmas is not... It's not about us. It's not even for us. And it's not about the presents. And it's not about reindeer and eggnog and pounds of fruitcake and whatever else that we do. It's just not. It's about Jesus. It's about him. It's about this baby in a manger. It's about verse 11. And maybe if we can go back, Ryan, to verse 11 there. It's about this idea, this mind-boggling idea that unto you is born today a Savior. A Savior to you has been provided. Verse 11. Isn't that incredible? It isn't saying necessarily, I mean, this is true, but a Savior for all. But the angelic message is a Savior to you, for you. And if you're here this morning, you're thinking, well, not me. I mean, I get the Christmas thing, and I get the religious thing, and I get, I get that Jesus came in this whole story. But again, he came for the religious, and he came for the good, and he came for all that. No. Look, if he came for shepherds, he came for all of us. If you're here this morning, and you're thinking, not me because I know my past, and not me because, frankly, honestly, I know my present. I know how I'm living. I know what I'm doing. I know who I am. And a Savior for me, there's no way. And the, and the grace and the good news and the message of the, of the cross ultimately is that a Savior has been provided to you. It's Jesus. It's Christ the Lord. And that's why we celebrate. 
And so I just, I want to encourage the first step of Christmas that we make Jesus our focus. And we'll talk more later on about how we can do that. But I also want to mention too that if you're here this morning and you're just checking things out, you're just checking out who Jesus is and you're not quite sure. And it's not that you haven't heard the Christmas story, but is it true? And is it real? And if you were there that night, you would be a lot like the shepherd and saying, I've got to see for myself. I need some evidence. I need to know if this is true. I need to know if this is real. And if that's you, I actually have something for you this morning. And you may have saw it, seen it when you came in on the table out there, but it's a handout. It looks like this. And some of you may already have one and picked one up. But it's called 10 Things That We Know About Christmas Without Opening the Bible. Now, we learn a lot about Christmas from the Bible, and it's true. But maybe if you're here this morning and you, you don't, frankly, even know, aren't sure if the Bible is even true, then that information isn't going to have much weight to you because you may not necessarily believe what the Bible even says in the first place. This gives 10 things that secular history tells us about Jesus. Secular history. All from people who live within 100, 150 years of Jesus' life. These are undisputed facts of history. They're things about, about uh, Jesus that, that nobody argues with. And I would encourage you to grab one of those, even if you're convinced. It doesn't matter. Just anybody, it's a resource for you. And read through that. Because what I think is going to happen is when you get from number one, you work your way down to number 10, Maybe like the shepherds that night, you're going to realize maybe there's something to this. Maybe it's true. And it's not just because the Bible tells me so, but undisputed history, secular history, people who even hated Jesus and, dis and were working against the church, the early church, their reports and their testimony validate that it's true. So I want to encourage you before you leave to grab one of those and engage that on your own. Uh, hopefully it's a helpful tool for you as you wrestle and ask questions. And so the shepherds, what did they do first? They pursued Jesus because the purpose of Christmas, it's him. Number two, your next fill in the blank is this. The second thing the shepherds did, they celebrated Jesus. They pursued him. They said, we're gonna go see for ourselves. I wanna see it with my own eyes. I wanna, I wanna know if it's true. The second thing they did was they celebrated. Verse 17, it says that when they had seen him, when the shepherds had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. That word in the Greek, amazed, what it means was enthusiastic or excited. It's this picture that the shepherds left. They go out and just anywhere they're going, presumably in Bethlehem or maybe other places in nearby communities, and they just started telling people, can you believe it? Can I tell you what happened? These angels and this, and I saw the baby, and it's just like they said, and it's this and that. And the people are leaning in like, what, seriously? And they're actually excited. Could this be the time? Word is starting to spread as this is going on. Again, verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So the next response of the shepherds, this is really important. The next response of the shepherd was they began to spread the word about Jesus. These social outcasts, misfits, ordinary, despised, unclean human beings were the first evangelists of the New Testament. Isn't that mind-boggling? God picked these people these guys to go out and they began to spread the word about the birth of Christ. They began to share that. And I just want to point something out here. You just, we just read it for ourselves. They didn't take a, cl a class. They didn't read a book. They didn't have nicely designed track materials or anything, information to hand out. What did they do? Well, this is what they did. Next fill in the blank, it's this. They talked about what they were excited about. 
That's it. They talked about what they were excited about. And if you take evangelism, which all of us, your pulse starts racing, your palms get sweaty, you talk about evangelism, but if you boil it all down, this is really what we're talking about. It's that you and I are willing to talk about what we're excited about. And you do this in other areas of your life. I, know, I don't understand this for one iota, but you Hawkeye fans talk about the Hawkeyes, right? You get all excited about the Hawkeyes. And so, sorry, so I'm getting like glares right now at that look. Okay. So, but we talk about our kids, right? If we're excited about our kids. We talk about our work if we're excited about our work. We, we, we talk about the things we're excited about. And likewise, this is what they did. You know, Christmas is a unique time. Because it gives you and I a chance to point people to Jesus by how we celebrate Jesus. It gives us a chance to point people to Jesus with our words and with our acts in a way that's not obnoxious and forced and fake and contrived. That's not what we're talking about. But simply because for you individually or you as a family, you say that we We come back to what this is really about. We come back to the person of Jesus. We celebrate Jesus. We are going to talk about what we're excited about, and we're going to do that with how we celebrate Christmas. And I fully recognize that when it comes to doing this, there's there's the fears that we feel, and there's culture that tells us to shut up, keep your faith to yourself, keep it private, don't do it here, don't share it there, don't, don't, not in this place, it's not appropriate. I understand all that. I get it. But again, like the shepherds, you and I have a chance to start or hang on, build traditions in our lives that come back to the person of Jesus, where our focus is on him. And as we do that, not only for us is it worshipful and encouraging and engaging, but also it's one of those things that other people, as they watch how you celebrate Christmas, it becomes in itself a witness, like these shepherds, it becomes a witness that points people to him. It's, it's the idea that if people are coming to your home, for example, for Christmas or maybe the day after or the day before or whatever the case may be, that you have a chance to engage with them and they, they look at how you celebrate Christmas and say, but that's different than the way I do Christmas. What do you mean we don't tear into the presents first and then all the kids disappear and it's just over and that's it and we drink eggnog and, and, that's, and that's all we do and talk about, I don't know, Washington, D.C. or something. It's more than that, right? It's, it's deeper than that. It's more meaningful than that. It gives us a chance to point people to Christ, how we celebrate Christmas. Which, by the way, this is why, as a church, and I suppose as a tradition, that we go Christmas caroling. You heard Pastor Jake talking about it. It's a chance to come together, like tonight, we're going to do it, and it's going to be crazy cold. And, and, and we're going to have a good time out there, and we laugh, and we come back and warm up and have soup and warm drinks, and just we're time together. But also it's about blessing our community. See, caroling becomes one way that we collectively can go and love people in the Redfield community and in the Adel community. It makes a difference. Can I share with you something? This is from Adel Positivity last December on Facebook. Somebody said this. They live on Chance Court. I just wanted to say thank you for caroling at our house tonight. We moved to Adel in October, and things have been tougher than expected. The carolers brought joy to us, and we thank you all for it. That's what we're talking about. How you celebrate becomes a way to share, to share the joy, to share the good news, to point people to hope 
and forgiveness and redemption and peace, the things we're all looking for, and it's all wrapped up in Christmas because it's all provided by Jesus. So the shepherds pursued Jesus. The shepherds celebrated Jesus, and that's just a way of saying they just spread the word about Jesus. And then number three, our last one as we wrap up this morning, they worshiped Jesus. They worshiped him. Look with me at verse 20, and this is our last verse. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So here we see the shepherds. What what did they do? Well, they, they went back. They went back to the sheep. They went back to the same job, the same station in life, the same position of being rather ordinary and forgotten by everybody in society, but as they went back to those same places in their life, they were not the same person. They were different. Christmas had changed them. To, to hear the, the, the angelic praise, to, see, to, to hear the message from the angels, to see Jesus as it was, to have this chance to celebrate publicly, they go back and they, it just says here, as they say, they returned and they glorified God and they praised him Why? For all the things they had heard and seen. Worship is a time to celebrate. Worship is a time, and we're going to worship here together in just a moment, but it is a time to praise God and to celebrate Jesus, the gift of Christ. That's what it's about. And so Christmas is a time to be excited. But also, you know, another way you can praise and glorify God is maybe more like Mary. Because Mary was, as we read about in verse 19, she pondered things in her heart, didn't she? Mary was more reflective. Mary just kind of considered it all. And her worship of God was a quiet worship. It was a worship of just being still and marveling at who God is in a quiet way. But maybe for you this Christmas, it's not about celebrating and it's not about even being reflective. Maybe for you, your worship, it's with tears. Because we know it can be a hard time. We, we talk about this every Sunday. And you can worship God in your tears. You can worship God with your tears. Because the worship that God wants is honest, right? The worship that God wants is that we come before God not, not in a forced or contrived way and just say, God, I'm supposed to praise you, so here it is. What, what he wants is us as we are, because he knows us as we are anyway, to come before him and say, God, this is where I'm at. And maybe this Christmas, you're not okay. That's part of why we've been doing the Tree of Hope, and, and you're certainly welcome after the service to, to come if you haven't already. You can come even if you have already. You can put a bulb in remembrance of a loved one that you've had to say goodbye to. Uh, you can put a prayer request on the tree, and, and others can come and will come, and we'll take that prayer request, and for the next 10 days, the rest of the month, they'll just be praying for you and lifting you up. Or maybe like last service, you, you, just, you need somebody to pray with you right now. You just need somebody to come around you and, and, and maybe you need to talk to, but, but just say, I just, can I just pray? Can somebody just pray with me? Or whether it's for you or maybe it's for a loved one or somebody else, but there'll be somebody up there as well to pray with you. Because part of worshiping God is coming to him in whatever station of life that you're at and praising him exactly where you're at. So, so Benji, come on up if you would, please. Uh, so, so, so wrapping up, how do we celebrate Christmas? Well, again, we hang on to our traditions. But like the shepherds modeled for us, I just want to encourage all of us, myself too, that we would, in these next 10 days, intentionally carve out, I want to, I want to pursue Jesus, 
I want to celebrate Jesus, and I'm just going to worship him exactly where I'm at. So in your bulletin, it looks like this. You see at the bottom here, I want to challenge you, double dog dare you, just spend some time this afternoon, this week, and would you think of for each of these one thing that you can do, and maybe it's something you already do. That's perfectly okay, but this Christmas, I'm going to pursue Jesus. I want to make him the focus of our Christmas in this way. And would you just identify one way that you can do that? The next one, this Christmas, I will celebrate Jesus, meaning I'm gonna spread the word or through how we celebrate Jesus in this Christmas. This is, this is how we're gonna do it in a way that is a chance to share our love for the Lord in a, in a very public way. You can respond to that question. And then finally, this Christmas, I will worship Jesus by. And it can, it can be through celebration. It can be reflective. It can be with tears. But this Christmas, to identify and articulate, I'm gonna worship my Savior, my Lord, this way. What a beautiful example the shepherds give us, isn't it? And I think a good challenge for us, Christmas is 10 days away that we just wouldn't get caught up in the hamster wheel of it all and all of a sudden, even at moments, maybe wishing it would just be over because it's too crazy, it's too intense, it's too taxing. But to say, you know what, I'm pushing pause on all that. I wanna do it different. I wanna get my focus on the birthday boy and spend some time with him. Would you pray with me? Let's just pray that, that God would lead us in how we do that, and then we are gonna, we're going to worship together. We're going to worship the birthday boy. We're going to celebrate who he is. Father, thank you so much for this, this, this text and this reminder of the shepherds and this moment in their lives that started off rather ordinary and unusual and completely was interrupted by you. I thank you for how you interrupt our lives. I thank you that you, you have a message for us of good news that's for all the people, a Savior born to us who is Christ the Lord. And so this morning we celebrate. This morning we want to worship you. And this morning individually and as a family, as a couple, we want to pursue you. Help us to be intentional to do that. Help this Christmas to be unlike any other because you are our focus. We pray this in your name. And everyone said. stand and worship us.
is no one like you. There is none beside you. Have a good week. Thank you for worshiping.